Regions believes that being a bank means serving the community. Regions is shining the light on local food banks as they feed our neighbors in need. See how you can help at regions.com slash food bank. The Regions branches are open by drive through or lobby appointment only. Bank safely and securely from almost anywhere with Regions Online banking or mobile banking. Data rates may apply. Regions Bank. Member FDIC. The Duly Noted Podcast is brought to you by Vistar Credit Union. We never forget that it's your money. And ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. Always be celebrating. This is the Duly Noted Podcast. Everything Florida Gators with your host, Pat Dooley. Okay, welcome to another edition of the Duly Noted Podcast. We took off a little time because we wanted to see what was going on. And we still don't have the answers. It's like I said in my column the other day that Ryan McGee, on a, I was listening to him and he said, people want answers and we don't have the answers. Oh, everybody's got answers. It's just that nobody knows if they're the right answers. And that's kind of the approach I've been taking now is I'm just tired of hearing everybody's opinions on this because even the science seems to be opinionated. So my way of thinking is I'm going to do all the things that I've been told to do and I've been doing. Wear a mask in public. Try to stay out of crowded areas. Um, you know, um, wash your hands. You know, just do all the things that you're asked to do. And it's worked for 25 weeks, and hopefully it works for a 1,000 more at least. But um, I just don't want to even talk about this and that and this. And there's a, there's a cure, but there's not a cure, and there's no vaccine. But there may be a vaccine. They may be... All that stuff, I'm I'm just wait. you know, let me know if I need to go get a shot. That's all I care about. However, I will say this. I, I'm more optimistic about there being football this fall than I was when I signed off a few weeks ago. Um, I think the fact that they're all out there and they're practicing and they're doing things. One thing, we just had a, a Zoom meeting with Dan Mullen. And, of course, that's all you get is Zoom meetings. And so far, all we get is Zoom meetings with the coach. And I'm sure there's a lot of people going, hey, you know, I'd like to see a feature on Ethan White or a feature on, um, you know, one of the wide receivers or, or um, you know, I, I, what is Brenton Cox like? Have you guys talked? We, we aren't allowed. We can't – we can't not – not only can we not go to practice and we can't really tell you a whole lot – we're, we have, they haven't gotten to that point where we'll have Zoom meetings of any kind or or socially distanced meetings. Um, they're waiting on that part of it. So that's the way they've done it. Not everybody's doing it that way. Alabama had interviews with some players. I saw where South Florida is actually allowing socially distanced meetings where uh, you're able to, but you have to wear a mask. Player wears a mask, and you can get you get ten feet away from them and ask them questions. I don't know why Florida isn't doing it, but they aren't. And I asked Dan Mullen about that today. But the one thing he said that I thought was a great quote was that we've shown you can play football. And that's that's the truth in in terms of what Florida has shown. Now, you can't go school by school and go, well, this, this and that. We all know North Carolina has some um, issues and, and uh, as well as uh, some other schools. But Florida's shown – that they're playing smart. They're they're doing the smart things. Still, zero positive tests since July. And so they've shown that they can play football, and they want to play football. The problem is, of course, students come back Monday. The Gators have Saturday and Sunday off. Um, all these students are going to be flooding into town. We know they won't be able to go to the swamp. That's been torn down, uh, which is a real shame. Um and, and very sad. It's one reason I call this place Chainsville now. We tear down all the places and get rid of all the places that uh, kind of ha- bring back great memories. We just make, ah, everything's going to be an Applebee's now. But anyway, I'm not going to get into that. But because they've gone through these practices and they've done things the right way and they've tested and tested and tested and they seem like they've got a grip on this, if there were no students on campus, I think we could have a full 10-game football season. Now, the question is, when the students come back, are the players, do they are do they do the right thing? Are they smart? We know that in some places they haven't been. I, we know in some places it's very difficult to. 
I wonder if the, the you know at some point Texas A&M maybe or LSU could be declared winner of the SEC Western Division because Alabama and Auburn can't play. They got too many guys testing positive because their students are running rampant all over the place. That's what students do. We've talked about this before. Student, you know, when you're a student, you you have a different philosophy on life. I mentioned this story the other day when I was uh, younger, like 18 years old. I there was a place called Eddie's Caravan, and they had a big slide, and I dove off the slide one day, and it was really stupid to do. And my mom and dad happened to be eating dinner at the restaurant and ran out and gave me hell, but. Those are the kind of things you do when you're 18. You go to a bar and you go, hey, COVID my butt. I ain't worried about it. I'll survive it. And it's just something we have to deal with. Now, in Alabama, I mean, they've put a two-week, they've shut down the bars for two weeks. So how do you see how you like that? Well, that's not going to stop people from partying. There's alcohol available. They'll get it all together in a big, huge place of some kind and start and and have a good time and without masks and and we'll just see what happens i mean we're still not over any kind of a hump everything is trending finally in the right way you know the number of cases are down in florida they're not gone you know obviously when you have a situation where over 500 students tested positive at alabama and we see this, we, Notre Dame had some issues. Everybody, this is going to continue to happen. And eventually, as Mullen said today, eventually players are going to start testing positive again because they're going to have a hard time not going out. They're going to get free time and they're going to say, hey, I, I, I want to meet my with my girlfriend. I haven't seen her in, in you know, I've, I've tried to stay away from her for three weeks, but I want to see her. You see her, she was with, some friends last night, boom, guess what? You got it. You take it back to the team, and we'll see what happens. So I still do feel a level of optimism that there will be a football season. So we'll try to talk in those terms because we have to pretend or at least assume, I guess is a word, and you know what the saying is about assume. If you assume something, it makes an ass out of you and me right? A-S-S-U-M-E. I know you all have heard that one before. Uh, But Florida uh, has been to eight practices, the last two in pads. God, it makes you kind of get fired up, right? Okay, let's see what we got here. Uh, More good news came in today or or in the last couple days that all these guys that said they were opting out aren't opting out. They never said they were opting out. There was reports that they were opting out, but they didn't opt out. They were trying to make decisions. Zachary Carter, I think, was really close to doing it. He had family members that had been dealing with it. And said, he said, look, I'm going to go play for them. I'm going to go play in their honor. Kadarius Tony, Jacob Copeland finally back at practice. I think their issues were as much dealing with the social justice issue and the NCAA issue as more than it was about the COVID, they were like, hey, why am I going to go out here and risk maybe long-term effects if you guys are going to continue to treat us this way and you're going to continue to treat African-American people this way? You know, uh, there's a famous phrase that, that I know that a lot of black people talk about, driving black. When you're driving black, you're not driving white. You, t- you could get pulled over just for driving in a neighborhood. And I understand the, the way s- these guys felt about it. Trayvon Grimes, I don't know why that came up as he was leaving, but anyway, all you, they missed some practices while they were trying to sort it out. Mullen said today, look, it's so good to have those guys back out there. But I certainly support whatever they want to do. They had a lot of personal situations. They had to work things out for themselves. And now they're all back. And Florida's at full strength. Um, He also said Justin Shorters kind of took over that leadership role. Of course, he's still not been cleared to play. Don't even get me started on the NCAA and the random – it's almost like they throw everybody's name up in an air that's appealed to be 
eligible to play immediately. And if they land on this side of the line, they get to play. If they land on that side, they don't. The Cade Mays situation in Tennessee, perfect example. Anyway, since we do have sponsors, which is a big reason why we've come back with this podcast. I mean, we're getting people to get fired up about college football. It's time to take a break. So we'll take that break. When we come back, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, what the NCAA did with extra years for these guys, the schedules. I, we haven't talked about the schedules on this podcast, the polls, all that stuff. I mean, we're going to talk some college effing football, okay? Am I allowed to say that on a podcast? I guess I'll find out. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. At ViStar, we believe in better, better convenience, so members can bank any way they want, whether it's at a branch, on a mobile device, or at one of more than 20,000 fee-free ATMs across North America. We believe that people have better things to do with their time. If you believe that convenience is better, join ViStar. We never forget that it's your money. All loans subject to approval, insured by NCUA. Bring game day tailgates home this season after a stop at ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. Stock up your huddle with beer, hard seltzers, your favorite wine, or something sparkling. ABC is Florida family-owned and has been getting Gator fans ready for kickoff since 1936. Head inside one of their 125 stores around the state or try their curbside service by ordering online at abcfws.com. ABC Access loyalty members can save $10 on wine, 10% on beer and hard seltzers, and earn points toward $5 coupons. ABC, always be celebrating. All right, so while we were away, they did come out with the new schedules. I'm a big believer that Florida... Um, because remember when Florida, we, we thought what, what Florida's schedule was going to be in whatever, February, March, maybe even April. One th- reason people were high on Florida was, man, that schedule looks a little soft. You know, there's no, nobody in the non-conference except FSU and you can barely count them there. Uh, they pull Ole Miss and LSU, which is their annual one from the other side, um, a lot of home games, more home games than road games. Man, I like Florida because of their schedule, and they get a quarterback back, and Dan Mullen has won 21 games in two years. There's a lot of reasons to like the Gators. So then we had to wait and see who they drew from the other side and going to the 10-game schedule, and I think there was a fear, also a level of excitement, that would be Alabama and Auburn because they were the closest geographically. Then there was this feeling, well, I, I don't think it'll be both of them, but it may be Alabama. And I, I think people were kind of excited. Yeah, this, you got to beat Alabama eventually, right? And then it came out, and it was Texas A&M and, of course, Arkansas. Now, that meant Felipe Franks would be coming back to the swamp, which is a good storyline. Don't think that didn't have anything to do with it. I actually have been trying to get an interview with a guy who did the schedules and have been told he's not in the mood to discuss it yet. But at some point, I may be able to. I just, I'm just curious what the thinking was. But I'm fine with it. And I know that a lot of people got upset if the people at Missouri, the people at Tennessee. I'm a big believer they did a great job with it. Because you had to look at the whole schedule. Florida has to go to Texas A&M. Okay? Haven't been there a long time since that Johnny Manziel game, their first game ever in the league. You were going to get somebody tough from that side. I have no problem. I, I think Florida's schedule still shapes up pretty nice. And they don't have to go back-to-back road games. And they have a stretch of four, of, uh, four dates. They don't have to leave the state. There's a lot of good things about Florida's schedule still. It got a little harder, but it didn't get as, hard, as much hard as some of the other teams, like Tennessee. I think Tennessee has been eliminated from the SEC race, East race, by what they drew. 
I really strongly believe that. I don't think there's any way, even if Tennessee is a little bit better this year. It's going to be Florida and Georgia, and Georgia's got it tough, as we all know, in that they get Auburn the second week of the season. They got Alabama the fourth week, I believe it is. So, shoot, they could be two and two four weeks into the season. Now, one thing is, one thing, another thing I like about who Florida, I mean, who, I'm sorry, who Georgia opens up with, is they open up with Arkansas. You know why I like that? Because Georgia ain't going to find out anything about their team playing Arkansas. Okay, they got a quarterback dilemma. Who's it going to be? You know, how that? what kind of offense are they going to run? They ain't going to find anything out playing Arkansas. That's, that is like playing, you know, Lowndes High School. So I think that's beneficial for Florida there as well. Um, and I've studied these schedules and looked at them, and they, I think they're, they're interesting. But in the end, uh, this was – I think they did a good job, a really good job on those schedules. Now – Meanwhile, the college football playoff committee came out and they announced, and this story has kind of gotten almost glossed over when it originally was announced. And then they, it's almost like they came out and they went, no, no, maybe you guys didn't hear us the first time. We're crowning a champ January 11. Okay. All you guys that want to play in the spring, have fun. Nobody cares. We're crowning a champ. This is the college football playoff committee. And I'm curious because I don't know enough, and I, I, I should have made a couple more calls on this today because I'm curious. Did Was this a 3-2 to two vote that this is what they were going to do? I mean, look, the three major conferences, the Power Five conferences that are playing and Notre Dame, I'm sure all said, yeah, well, this, let's wrap it up January 11th. And the other two said, no, 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 we want to we want to wait. You can't do it that way. The bottom line is, and, and we can argue about who's right, who's wrong. Everybody's got an opinion. We're not going to get into that. The point is, by moving their seasons back, and again, I still feel they're not going to play in the spring either. I think they're done. Um, they might, and, I, and maybe it'll, it'll be nice to watch some football in the spring. Uh, you'll probably be watching as much basketball as football because they'll be playing games that don't matter. In the end, college football playoff committees that came out and said, here's the dates we're going to start revealing it. Here's the dates you're going to play in the semifinals. Here's the date you're going to play the final. And then the Big Ten can start a season. And what are you playing for? You know, we've had discussions, or at least the Associated Press poll people, and I'm a voter in that, about whether to – have another poll that starts then. And I'm like, I don't want to vote in a poll that only includes two conferences. All right, Mountain West. You got to count Boise State. I'll throw them in there somewhere. It's hard enough to do one with a with three conferences that matter, and then you add in teams like UCF, and and there's certainly some other teams worthy of being in there. It it but it got to the point where I think I had Tennessee and. I think my I ranked Miami in my imaginary poll that I'll have to do later when they don't allow that to happen. Now, so we've got that going on. I just don't know what the Big Ten, Pac-12 seasons are going to look like, the other conferences that are going to play. I don't know what they're going to look like if they play. I don't know that they will. Again, you're putting guys in a situation, A, most of the best players are going to opt out. B, the players who aren't going to opt out are going to be forced to play two seasons in one year, and that's not going to go over well with a lot of people. I still don't see it happening. And look, there's a chance we never see any college football until 2021, of the fall of 2021. I know that. But again, like I said, Dooley Downer is a little more optimistic. So they came out with the AP poll. Of course, the coaches poll came out, SID's poll, I call it, came out earlier. And uh, we have to, we had to vote. They asked us to vote. They didn't have to, but they asked us to vote for teams that have already declared they're not going to play. And so that was fine. My poll was already done. I, I worked on it all summer, really. And it was ready to go. And uh, and then I kind of wrote out another one, and I wrote a column about it last last week, 
of this is what it'll, it will look like. It looks like without those teams in it. Well, now the coaches poll has come out and said, not only do we not want the coaches SIDs to vote for teams that aren't playing for obvious reasons, we don't want them voting either. If you're not playing, you ain't voting. And I think that is wrong. Now, I know that, that a lot of people were were ripping the AP poll for putting out a poll that said, hey, here's what here's what our, our here's here's how we were gonna rank it until all these teams opted out. I had no problem. I think that was a good idea. This is what we thought of these teams going into the season. However, they're not playing. All right, these coaches they kind of have free time on their hands. They might enjoy voting. They might actually be, you know, like, can we go ahead and vote? We want to vote. But no, you're out. If you're not playing, you're not voting. So that, that I think, was a mistake. I would have let them vote. They've got, they're going to have time on their hands. Um, all right, so also we have a football game, believe it or not, Saturday night. I don't know how many of you know this. Austin P is at Central Arkansas. It's a 9 o'clock ESPN game. It's happening Saturday. Will I watch it? You're damn right I will. I will watch it. Um, I don't know how long I'll watch it, but I will put it on. And also, by the way, the AP came out with its uh, All-American teams, which I voted on. I think I added this up right. 11 first-teamers and 12 second-teamers have either opted out or their their conferences have opted out. And I voted for Kyle Pitt's first team. Uh, I try to, you know, when I'm voting on those AP te- I, I feel like you got to be a little biased regionally. You know, I had a lot of SEC players on there. Um, again, it's a preseason team. But Kyle Pitts wasn't on there. The first two guys aren't playing. So guess what? He's first team in my book. And we'll see how that all that goes. By the way, Dan Mullen said he made an unbelievable catch in practice the other day. He's ready to go. Um, we'll, uh, we'll obviously, hopefully, down the road be able to talk a lot more about it. But again, just to let you know, we're going to bring on our, our guest here. But just to let you know, we're going full steam ahead every Tuesday until we get to football season. And when we get to football season, it'll be twice a week, the podcast, as long as uh, they continue to um, be on schedule to play. And as we sit here today, they are on schedule. All right, we'll take a break, and we're going to bring on Richard Cross. Richard Cross is a friend of mine. Uh, he is also the sideline reporter for Ole Miss, who's Florida's first opponent. And you see him all the time on on NCAA or, not, or SEC basketball games on the SEC Network. In fact, I know he did a couple of Florida games this year. Really good guy. Um, really have enjoyed getting to know him over the years. And he will be our guest. We'll talk a little bit about Ole Miss, Florida's opener. Might as well get started, right? You're listening to the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. All right, welcome back to the Duly Noted Podcast. It is a great pleasure to be joined by Richard Cross. You've seen him on many TV shows because he is a famous... Uh, broadcaster and also the sideline reporter for the Ole Miss football team and uh, you know uh, obviously when we all knew Florida was going to be coming to Oxford uh, Richard but we didn't think it would be opening day uh, is, is that created any kind of a buzz there in uh, in the Magnolia State I don't know if the buzz is so much about Florida as just there's this almost unbridled excitement that we've gotten to the point where football might actually happen. There, there are still some hurdles for us, obviously. Uh, you know, as, as Ole Miss and Florida and Alabama and Auburn and every, uh, everybody in this part of the country go back to school, you know, you just hope that the, the inevitable outbreaks and spikes and positive COVID numbers aren't so big that, you know, somebody's like, you know what, we just can't do this. Um so yeah, I mean there, there's excitement and like genuine excitement, but I don't think it's necessarily because of the opponent as much as it is like 
it kind of gotten to the point where it didn't feel like this was going to happen. And now it really is looking like it's actually going to happen. And, you know, if you transition it to football, I think there's probably some reason to be excited on the offensive side of the ball for Ole Miss. And then on the defensive side, well, the Gators, Pat, may, uh, may be able to kind of chomp their way up and down the field <laughs> as much as they want to. We'll, we'll have to wait and see on that piece of it. You know, they, obviously, I don't think there is – a place that is going to seem as surreal in the SEC and maybe in the country uh-huh. as um, you know Ole Miss without without the Grove on a Saturday and that part of it. Look, I'll be honest with you. I don't know if we're going to go out there because I don't know if we're going to still be doing Zoom calls for interviews and what's the point. But I, that's one thing I've, I've I've experienced it twice. It's always great to go there, but for the fans there, obviously, it's just going to be just weird just to be playing it's like like you're playing a spring game not even like you're playing a spring game i'm sure the grove is packed for a spring game yeah i mean you know whether it's oxford or starkville or athens or gainesville or anywhere in between it's going to feel different but i i don't know if i've actually heard anybody say it the way you did and it kind of made me stop and think that you know it wasn't a surprise when they announced oh last week i guess it was that tailgating was not going to be allowed at, at ball games in Mississippi and that's kind of what we're seeing everywhere but when you when you think about it I mean this is not necessarily a badge of honor for Ole Miss but Ole Miss certainly is known more for tailgating in the Grove than it is for um, you know winning at an elite level in, in the SEC and you know there are lots of people that have tried to change that and it is you know for short periods of time there have been pockets of success but you know, the, the consistent thing has been the Grove. And, Pat, I, I think because I'm so close to it, maybe I don't even recognize the way it is looked at from outside. You know, one of the things that, that Brett Norsworthy and I, when we host the pregame show right on the edge of the Grove, um, have seen and really taken notice of in recent years is almost every home game, certainly every SEC home game, you have random groups of fans that have no affiliation to either team that's playing, whether it's Ole Miss or, you know, whoever the opponent is. But you got folks walking through in Iowa sweatshirts or, you know, Michigan hoodies or they've got on a golf shirt from UCLA. They're like, I can't help but ask, what are you doing? What's going on? I say, well, I've always heard about the Grove and decided this was going to be on my bucket list, you know, in the same way that Ohio State Michigan is or – Notre Dame, Southern Cal is, or Army Navy is, the Grove is there. And I think because we're so close to it, sometimes we even roll our eyes and say, oh, people are talking about the Grove again. But it is a pretty big deal. I mean, that's kind of one of the the cool things in college football and uh, the fact that it's going to be nothing but oak trees and squirrels uh, (laughs) and and grass that uh, has a a better lifespan this year is certainly going to be different. It's kind of like going to the College World Series. The first time I went to the College World Series in 96, I couldn't believe how many people were there that didn't care who won. But they they just wanted to go. Uh, It's similar to that. Uh, Well, let's talk about this Ole Miss football team. And obviously a lot can happen over the next 30 days or so. Uh, but uh, offensively, I think they uh, people are excited about him. Elijah Moore is back, of course, better known for the, the dog peeing incident, but he was a great mm. receiver. And uh, I think that's going to be the key for them is trying to get more guys that can go catch the ball with the quarterbacks they have. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, you mentioned quarter. Let me do what you just talked about in reverse order. Uh, if If you were playing today – I think Matt Corral would be the starter. And I know that surprises some people that don't follow Ole Miss on a daily basis because they saw John Rice Plumley against LSU, and, oh, my gosh, he ran crazy. Well, he had trouble throwing the ball, and, and that's kind of the other part, uh, at least throwing it consistently. Um, and, and Matt Corral's a really talented passer. Uh, he has not always been the best decision maker. He has had consistency issues but in terms of arm talent and just, like, quarterback pedigree, Matt Corral's the guy that you want to be the starter. And I think that's where it's headed. With regard to wide receivers, uh, to me, the thing that was most impressive about a lot a year ago was he was all that Ole Miss had. I mean, yes, there were other guys that wore wide receiver numbers, but nobody made plays. Nobody caught ball. Nobody, uh, there was no confidence in the quarterback in throwing it to somebody else. Braylon Sanders was a guy they thought that was going to help a year ago, but dealt with injuries and was a complete non-factor. And so with Elijah Moore being the focus on the scouting report, for every single team they played in terms of the passing game, 
he still produced. He, he still had a really good year. And I think what happened at the end of the season against Mississippi State kind of overshadows the production that he had. Ole Miss has got to have some, some guys step up. I mentioned Braylon Sanders a year ago. I think a healthy Braylon Sanders back is, is a plus. But also Jonathan Mingo, freshman a year ago, maybe the stage was a little big for him, has had, I, uh, according to Lane Kiffin, a really good start to this kind of fall practice time. Uh, physically, athletically, all the tools are there, uh, but you need kind of the rest of it to click as well. You know, it's interesting with, with Lane, and I, I, I think like Florida – got the benefit there of having this be the opener you don't want people settling into that offense before you play them on even though it's not a true road game anymore it is a road game yeah uh but but with lane i i've always said i thought he was one of the best play callers in college football now it's easier to call plays when you're when you're at uh alabama it's easier to call plays when you're going up against defenses that FAU went up against. But I still think he's really good at it. I'll be interested to see what he does and whether he's willing to, hey, we'll run double reverse passes on first down just to uh, – because there's, they Florida – with, with Florida coming in, Ole Miss really has nothing to lose. So I don't know if it is an advantage to get him early. Yeah, Pat, I, I think your point about him being a play caller is a good one. And I get what you're saying about, well, yeah, it's easier when it's at Alabama. The way he had success at Alabama, to me, I think is what underscores your point. So, so you go back to the Blake Sims season. He was a running back. And if I remember correctly, and it's been passed since, but I, I think Blake Sims set like a single-season passing record uh, in that year playing quarterback. And if it wasn't exactly it, it was a really impressive number throwing the football for a guy who the previous season had been in the running back group. And then, you know, he has success with, with Jake Coker, who had come in from, from Florida State and had some confidence issues and, and kind of got him going and moving in the right direction. The, the key was he, he figured out how to get the ball to the pieces that could, could hurt you. So if it meant running the entire offense through Amari Cooper with Blake Sims either throwing it or handing it off, handing it off so be it. The fascinating part about that to me is – where does John Rice Plumley fit into the puzzle? If he's not going to be the quarterback, but you know that you have a guy who has ridiculous athletic ability in the open field, and the second he presses go on his feet to make them run, he's at full speed. You know, you've got those guys who need three steps to, to right. get to full speed, and then there's some guys who are just blessed. It's like run, and then boom, they're gone. That's kind of how John Rice Plumley is. So... That's the thing that's most fascinating to me. In terms of timing, you know, if you look at his his FAU teams, uh, they were playing well above their weight class early, and they got blasted. And then when they were playing on more of a a level playing field, they were really, really competitive and won a whole bunch more games than they lost. You know, is that going to be the case at Ole Miss, you know, uh, against a team that's as talented as Florida, uh, against an LSU, against an Alabama? Is it going to be kind of ugly but then when they get on a level playing field, playing against you know Missouri or Arkansas or Vanderbilt or uh, – well, maybe that's not level, but you, you get what I'm saying. More lower to mid to maybe upper mid-tier teams as opposed to the truly elite in the SEC, is that where you're going to see that coaching difference? We'll see. I, I think there are a lot of questions to be answered. So fascinating to me how different Lane Kiffin is – in person, one-on-one, than he is in that Twitter persona profile world. It, it's Joe, because it's it's completely different. And Joey Freshwater, that guy, you know, yeah, you don't see yeah. that much not, of him. Not now. the same guy. Yeah, no, nah, not a lot. Let me ask you this: So, why do you think? Is there a simple answer to why Ole Miss has really been stinking on ice on defense for for several years? I mean, I know that they. Uh, when when he was there, uh, they they found ways to win games, uh, but but is it just the inability to, to bring in defensive recruits? Well, I, I think there was a recruiting strategy that went sideways um, under Hugh Freeze because if you rewind to twenty fourteen. I guess it was 2014-2015 when Ole Miss kind of infamously beat Alabama in back-to-back years. They had really good defenses. That 2014 defense had three or four NFL guys on it, and they were the leading scoring defense in the SEC. 
But as Hugh was developing, Hugh Freeze was developing that reputation of offensive mastermind and putting up big numbers and, you know, the, the intoxicating sexiness of, of offensive football and star chasing and recruiting, they kind of lost sight of what was important on the defensive side of the ball and at the line of scrimmage. And that's where it started. Um, there was, you know, a, a window of three, four, five years where uh, they were light on the defensive recruiting class. And they were still getting some decent defensive linemen, but like no linebacker play to speak of. Uh, you know, maybe a couple of decent corners, but you couldn't find a safety. So the, the focus on recruiting defensively, uh, there was nowhere close to the same balance as, you know, five-star wide receiver, four-star wide receiver, five-star quarterback. I mean, all of that stuff that, you know, is so sexy, uh, that was kind of getting the billing. So I think that's where it starts. Um, you know, you look at this defense, and they're probably not going to be very good, but they may be more talented at linebacker this year than they have been at, you know, any point in the last decade. Uh, with Momo Sonogo back healthy and Lakia Henry, who played really, really well a year ago, and uh, I think a redshirt freshman and Brandon Mack that they like, but on the defensive line, there's no depth there. Uh, they're probably going to be pretty good at cornerback. Uh, they're scared to death of what safety is going to look like. And just to kind of remind you that – and, Pat, you, you can roll your eyes when I say this, and I'm not accusing you of doing that. I'm sure some people will. But not everybody plays by the same rules. Otis Reese well, transferring away – eyes. <laughs> okay, okay. Otis Reese transfers away from Georgia to Ole Miss – Ole Miss is still waiting to find out whether or not Otis Reese is going to be eligible. And if you made me guess one way or the other, I'd say, no, it's the NCAA dealing with Ole Miss. He won't get eligible. He'll have to sit out a year. But then you look all around. There's just no rhyme or reason on transfer portal and eligibility. But the two guys that transferred out of Mississippi State to Florida State granted immediate eligibility, and they got that immediate eligibility within a month of being on campus. So that that's my whole not everybody plays by the same set of rules thing, and that's a little bit frustrating, especially when you're looking at a roster that is still trying to recover from probation and still trying to recover from some misses in recruiting over the last few years. Last thing for you, and we appreciate your time, Richard. Uh, quickly, when we just talk about – we know the schedule now. We know well, – well, let's just assume they're going to play 10 games. And of course, we don't know that, whether they'll yeah. be – one, two, three, four, zero, nine, whatever. But uh, what what would you put the over under for Ole Miss uh, going into this season? Assuming you play all ten, I would set it at four or four and a half. Uh, I probably would set it at four, so you had to choose either three or five. Um, because I I think four is probably the most likely number. Um, just kind of, when, kind of when you look at the overall schedule, I mean, you, you think, all right, you, you've got uh, a Mississippi State team with a first-year head coach, and that's at home, and it's a rivalry game, so you're going to give yourself a check mark on that one. You got Arkansas, and that roster is just so bad. You're getting awesome. a check mark there. You got you got Vanderbilt, and they're so bad. There's a check mark yeah. there. That's three, and then where's your fourth? Well, I, I don't really think South Carolina is going to be very good, so that's four. And I think that's probably the most likely outcome. But then you start looking, you go, well, okay, can you possibly steal one against what's going to be a pretty good Kentucky team on the road in week two? I don't know. But I think Kentucky's going to be pretty good. And then, you know, is is Gus going to do his thing that he always does at Auburn? <laughs> Auburn's replacing all five offensive linemen. Are they just going to be an average football team? Or is this going to be one of the years where Gus kind of defies expectations? Yeah, home game there. You know, not beating Alabama, uh, probably not beating LSU in Baton Rouge. I think this is a pretty good Texas A&M team, but Texas A&M tends to play soft. Uh, and Ole Miss has had some success against them. So I think four and a half, four, four and a half is the right number. He is Richard Cross, sideline reporter for the Ole Miss games and, of course, uh, does the pregame show, and you see him on the SEC Network doing a lot of basketball. We appreciate his time so much. We'll be right back with more of the Duly Noted Podcast here at Gatorsports.com. Okay, so um, 
We'll get to three things in just a minute. Thanks again to Richard Cross for coming on the Duly Noted Podcast. The NCAA uh, did uh, allow for uh, anybody who plays, no matter how many games you play, you get an extra year, and that's great. Uh, They're going to have to figure out the roster management of this whole thing. Uh, But one thing Dan Mullen brought up today on the the, uh, Zoom call is what – will the SEC do? Because you are limited in how many players dress for SEC games. And I would think that's one of those things that they haven't even maybe thought about. If they have, they just haven't gotten to the point. There's a lot of things. News is going to continue to break. Even if everything goes well, you're going to still have breaking news stories. Like how many people, who knows, this could be released today. How many people is Florida going to let into the stadium? Most schools have announced what they're doing. Florida seems to be kind of holding their ground on a lot of things. And and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. They're saying, let's just wait a little longer and then we'll, then we'll let you know. My guess is it'll be around 20,000 people. I saw where Miami said 13,000 um, hurricanes and dolphins. Um, but I think Florida will be right around 18 to 20,000 question is who gets in who doesn't how many people can sit together if you're in the same family do you have to show id to prove you're in the same i don't there's a lot of questions about uh how that's all going to work but his point that dan Mullen's point was sec restricts the number of players you can have they've expanded the sidelines and one thing they've done is uh to get more social distancing even for those players that are playing in games is expand those sidelines i would imagine the first 10 rows of the stadium are going to be totally off limits um but in expanding the sidelines they basically eliminated maybe have eliminated cheerleaders i they haven't made a decision on that yet on whether cheerleaders are not going to be allowed but you're not going to see things like uh there's not going to be a mr two bits there may be it may be virtual the band's not going to be on the field the band may not be in the stands either and that's still something that's being uh figured out uh it may be pumped in music uh mullen mentioned today okay that was two things one was that they got to make an edict on how many players can dress and i would think they'd let more players dress because of the issue or maybe you don't want players clustered together that's an interesting dilemma that greater minds than me are going to take on but he also said look you got to make a decision and you can go ahead and make it now because we're ready to to plan for it how much music can you pump in I will tell you, the loudest stadium in America, if you took all the fans out of it, is Starkville, Mississippi. They've got a a PA system that plays it at a very uncomfortable level, especially in the press box. It is, I mean, I've told you the story before. Robbie and I wore headsets during the entire game when when we were there last time. It was so loud, it was hurting our ears. So that'll be interesting. Okay, Here's the decibel level. You can pump it in, but you can't pump it in once the team breaks a huddle. What if they go no huddle? What do we? Those are all questions that still need to be decided, still need to be answered. As I said, everybody's got answers. Nobody's got. Nobody knows if they got the right answers or not. So that'll be interesting to see what happens as far as that goes. Um, I did want to talk a little bit about basketball because something happened uh, this week as well, where they announced. Dave Gavitt and his people announced that basketball, they've got five potential start dates for basketball. They're all in this year. They're not, none of them are next year. And the question I had was, wait a minute, didn't the Pac-12 and Big Ten also say they're not going to play any sports this calendar year? So you're going to say, you're going to let everybody else start. What a hole that's going to put them in. Even though they're gonna, they may go to conference only schedules in terms of when the NCAA committee looks at them, says, well, you know, they only won fourteen games. Well, we only got to play nineteen games. Yeah, but you know, this team won twenty four. We got to put. So there's a lot of things going on. And from what I've been told by several people on this, is that the Big Ten and the Pac twelve may just say, hey, uh, that thing we said about football, and I know that we cut out our other sports as well, but basketball needs – well, we need to start that on time. Whenever they tell us to start, we'll go ahead and start. Don't be surprised if that happens. I know in the Pac-12 they're they're not happy, uh, the basketball coaches. So that'll be an interesting thing because if basketball starts without those two conferences, it's not good for them. 
I wouldn't think. I mean, they've got a they're they're going to be behind. Although they won't be playing each other, they won't be playing interconference games. But still, you know, you would think it would affect their standing as far as the um, when you get to the the committee to meet at the end of the year. And look, more than anything, I, I look football is so important. We know football runs all these. But the NCAA has to have a basketball season. They cannot have a second straight year without an NCAA tournament, or I don't know what's going to happen to basketball. And I, I think everybody knows that. Um, I was going to talk about this, or I don't even know if I want to get even get into this um, in terms of uh, something ESPN did. Well, they, they went back to 98, and they, they gave everybody, every position, your position, you. And uh, I thought the, the interesting thing to me, Florida was number eight uh, among the schools that, that quarterback you, and that's all Tebow, right? I mean, it's a little bit of Rex and Chris Leak and Tebow and nobody for a while, and then Trask a little bit last year. Number seven at wide receiver – Again, same kind of deal. You started in, in two. If you start that thing in 1990, you better have Florida way up there, wide receiver, and way up there quarterback. But um, D, defend, DBU was fourth. Whatever DBU, Iowa State probably they've turned out more pros. I, they were number one. I get it. But the interesting thing to me, not in the top ten in these two categories, and it makes sense. But it, it says a lot about what Florida has become. One was running back. They've had one guy picked in the top three rounds um, in the last since 1998 at running back. Offensive line has been part of the problem. And the offensive line hasn't been good, so they haven't had a good that good of running backs. They had running backs haven't been good, so maybe that's why they haven't a good offensive line. But that is what Florida has become almost – Despite Spurrier, I mean, Spurrier did it, but Spurrier also had great running backs and great offensive lines. And then he he had a few years during that 98-01 to run, but since then they've had a hard time. Now, obviously the Pounceys were good, had some other guys like Phil Troutwine that were good, but not enough, no consistency at that level. I do think they they did a lot of it based on where you went in the NFL too. All right. Before we get out of here, and we appreciate you all for listening, our return of the podcast, um, it is time for three things. It's time for three things. Number one, um, the death of Aubrey Hill really hit me hard. Uh, you know, people, it, it feels like a lot of people have, are passing away that, I either knew or or knew of. And in, in Aubrey Hill's case, certainly knew him very well. Um, the knew of is usually, you know, like when Glenn Fry dies or when Tom Petty dies, which is devastating. They hurt, but it's not like you go, I can't believe he died so young. Aubrey Hill <clears throat> just freaks you out. 48 years old. Had cancer. And um, I just... Such a good guy. Such a great guy. And that one heard about as much as anybody because he just was, you know, again, he had 18 touchdowns at Florida. That's that's a lot of touchdowns to score when you had great receivers all around you, you know. Everywhere you looked, there was a, a, an All-American, and you still got 18 touchdowns. And as I said in my column, he had 18 touchdowns. He had zero people who didn't like him. Just one of the great guys, and he spoke to the quarterback club a couple years ago and was spectacular. He was great. Um, that one hurts. His his uh, wife wrote a, a thing on – I think it was on Facebook. Might have been on – on uh, I don't know, I, social media. I, it was on something, and it was really sweet talking about him. Very depressing. All right, so we go from that, and we'll go to something not depressing because that – I know that's something that Gator Nation really has struggled with the last couple of weeks. Uh, number two on uh, three things, 
Uh, I've gotten into the NBA because, uh, for obvious reasons, hey, it's there. It's it's playoff basketball, which I always like anyway. Even if it is in a bubble, even if it is the weirdest. Sometimes you look at the people in the background and it's just freaking you out. Um, but also, there's been this added thing of Billy Donovan, because Billy went from a guy who might get fired to being at least by one organization co-coach of the year and now he's 2-2 in the playoffs and I have gotten so into the games you know like jumping up and cheering and and stuff like that which I don't usually do as you know but let's keep it going I would love to see the Thunder you know at least advance if, if, if not more than that but it is interesting it's been fun to watch and I, uh, the one thing I really – the reason I do watch – I watched NBA playoff basketball, even though I don't watch much NBA at all during the regular season, even during normal times, is the intensity gets ratcheted up, and it is fun to watch how intense and how hard they play. And it's been no different during this, this these times. And number three, the NFL just seems to kind of just keep moving along. Yeah, well, here's what I think about – you. you Whenever you hear anybody talking about the NFL on any of the talk shows, radio, TV, any of them, talking about, well, I think this team could be the surprise or this team could be the sleeper or this team could do this or this team, I don't know, their division, uh, their their quarterback play is still questionable to me. I don't think they have the receiver. It's great. All they talk about is football. <laughs> it's great. The NFL, because they have done it the right way with the, with their testing, especially in tracing, seems like they're moving right along which means we're not very far from nfl football i i, I hate it when i say it. i'm not supposed to say that it's not nfl football it's the national football league so you're saying national football league football or major league baseball baseball it's one of my pet peeves and yet i did it myself all right so i'm excited i think i want to get into a fantasy league um, we've talked about maybe starting one. Uh, I was in a fantasy league for a while. I got out because I didn't care who won the game. I only cared how many of my guys pointed, and that that ruined it for me. And maybe I should be telling myself that. Pat, go to the past. Go to the future. You're, in the future, you're going to be saying, why did I get into a fantasy league? All I did was lose money and, uh, you know, didn't enjoy the games as much. So maybe I won't, but maybe I will. If you want me to get in your fantasy league, I'm willing to consider it. All right. All right. That's going to do it. The Duly Noted Podcast is back, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll be back again Tuesday with a guest and um, another round of the Duly Noted Podcast. You know, I've I, I got to admit, I haven't done one of these in a long time, so I'm a little hoarse, almost an hour of, of talking straight without – a break and without any water either that was stupid all right let's uh get out of here for now though appreciate everybody for listening you can get off the treadmill i am pat dooley the sports columnist of the gainesville sun i am deep i am way back and i am out of here The Duly Noted Podcast is brought to you by Vistar Credit Union. We never forget that it's your money. And ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. Always be celebrating.